Podcast. Hello and welcome to the. <laughs> okay, yeah, I just forgot. What I, was, I forgot. To, yeah, I like thought too much about what I was saying. <laughs> language of the thing, same thing. Seems to make sense. All right, let's go. Hello and welcome to the thirty-sixth episode of the Powder Cake Podcast, the show that irons out the creases of tilt from the shirt of improvement. That's a nice one. Um, so this week has been pretty exciting for people who have been watching Worlds. So not very exciting for me and Andrew. So <laughs> we don't watch Worlds. Well, I mean, we've been. I, I, I watched a bit this morning actually because it's actually surprisingly. Well, it's weird because it's actually on in the morning in Ireland. Yeah. Which is kind of weird, I guess, for us because I don't really watch like Twitch streams in the morning normally. Not been um, in college. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so quite a bit of it. Um, been keeping up to date with the news. Uh, Korean teams are doing well. NA teams are doing pretty well. Well, so for context, I don't know when this is going to get out, but we're recording on the base of the day after Fnatic's kind of rise, where they went, I think it was a 4-1, and one, and secured their place out of groups when yeah. they were 0-4 <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, this well, they were 0-4. I don't think they played that many games. I think they were 0-4, I think. Um, really? See, this is what I don't know, because I caught the first few days, and... As I was noted, it's, oh, a, it's... I'll stop you right there. Before we continue on with our pre-show... Oh, yeah, sure. Um, this week's episode is actually going to be discussing split pushing and a bit of detail. So if you want to listen to that directly and skip the pre-show, there should be a timestamp in the description. Uh, so you can jump ahead to that. But in the meantime... What was I saying? Please yeah, continue. sorry, I forgot about that. Um, You're talking about Fanatics. Yeah, so Fanatic had a big rise. Um, that's when we're recording. Uh, but yeah, all the matches are in the morning and I've been in college, so I've... I caught a good bit of the first week of games, and I was pretty up to date. And then this week in college has been insane, and so I have been really not really sure what's going on. But I've been like hoping to catch it later. But I'm also on Twitter, and so I just got it all spoiled for me. And so yesterday I was just like seeing people talking about Fnatic all day. Mm. Immortals shit the bed and didn't make it out of qualification, even though they were in a good spot. Fnatic made it out. I think, I think it must have been Fnatic and Gigabyte Marines then from that group. No, Gigabyte Marines didn't make it through. Anyway. I see. This is what I mean. It's it's so. This is what sucks about our pre-show when Worlds is on. Is that yeah. if we haven't been watching Worlds consistently, which is hard because there's a lot of it. Yeah. Um, there's nothing else to talk about, and that is the exact situation. Andrew, don't say currently, that. Uh, currently, um, in big breaking news. Uh, the king of NA has reclaimed his throne. Yeah, I'm a Kitty Pies rank one. Uh, no, so yeah. In all fairness, there hasn't really been that much going on because uh, Worlds is going on, so no one else yeah. is going to do anything else. So there definitely is like some some news. You know, obviously there's like there's new skins coming out. Uh, you know, the hiring is coming. End of season is drawing near, so there's a lot of kind of changes going up on the PB and everything. With obviously the new runes going to be in place, so you know, Ryder are are buffing base stats and stuff on a lot of champions to to be suitably playable because it wouldn't be fun with no no armor no magic resist so that's something i found one thing funny um and it's the new uh the eve rework the evelyn rework oh yeah yeah so uh basically on paper <laughs> rework doesn't seem great it basically seems like she's cool thematically but she doesn't have a speed up and she isn't invisible until level six. And so people are like looking at that and they're like, hmm, what does she do? Uh, apart from just like slowly walk up to people in lane and hope they kind of get CC'd by her hard to hit CC. But that said, I don't necessarily feel quite as strongly about this as the good folks on or slash League of Legends did on the thread, mm. where uh, someone said, from my experience in PBE, she's pretty mediocre all around. We could a game with a bit of a spike <laughs> mid game. When you get camouflage, but then you're pretty much instantly irrelevant once you reach the late game. Enemies stop walking around solo and team fighting. Capabilities are pretty shit too. Which seems like a fair, a criti- critical but fair analysis. Yeah, and what was the next? What was the next? So the <laughs> person who responds to them says, they should just delete her after this point. <laughs> person after that, they already have. Typical Raito rework. Um, See, part of me is like, that's got to be... Ironic. Like, ironic? It's not, no. But then... Well, the, the typical... No, yeah, it's not. But it's... it's not ironic, yeah. Yeah. It's not. Well, it's like, because, um, like, I mean, lads, you haven't you haven't played with her yet. She's not deleted. Yeah. She might be good. She doesn't look good on paper. Well, she's been bad in every one of my games. So. <laughs> oh, she, she, she's actually out now, is she? Oh, uh, yeah, she is out, but 
I've played like a few games. It's weird the when the zeitgeist says that she's terrible and everyone's banning her. Uh, usually it's a like, but like I mean, can you think of all the times where everyone thought a champion was broken and shit before it got released and it was terrible? Mm. I'm thinking of Aatrox, who then got good after a couple of buffs. Zach, who got good after a couple of buffs. Everyone's like, this is gonna be the most broken shit ever. Yeah. Braum needed buffs. Everyone's like, this guy's gonna be so broken. Kane's pretty reasonable. People weren't right. saying Kane was gonna be broken though. Was People were saying Kane was gonna be broken, being able to walk through walls. People were saying this is unbalancedly broken. It was really? like the, the majority of people. People were said saying about Rise rework because it was ult, and I was like, I don't get why this is ult so special. Obviously, Rise yeah. ended up being a crazy hard to balance champion, but not because yeah. of his ult. I think it's more like he's gonna be broken and competitive, which he was. Which kind he of ended true. up being, but also yeah. not because of his ult. Yeah. Um, I think. I think most people. I think most people ban new champions because they don't want to play versus them, regardless of a power yeah. level. But my so. point is, people when people are naturally aren't very good at telling accurately how good a champion is that ever having played with or against a champion yeah um, particularly since you don't know numbers and really doesn't matter how dumb a kid is if the numbers are off the numbers are off and you yeah. can tell that when they, when they update old champions with dumb kits to give them good numbers look at Shogaf who's got mm. like the worst stupidest kit in the world Shogaf's and is like well ridiculously broken that's my point yeah. yeah so his numbers are crazy he's got a dumb kit that makes no sense and it's a terrible kit on paper but because his numbers are so absurd his health gets so high his ult numbers are so high he yeah. works really well. He does, he's like broken as fuck. And Champion. so if this Eve, a couple of both good numbers, she can start tearing shit apart. If she hits level 6, starts ganking everyone invisible and doing, charming yeah. them and bringing them towards her and stuff. A lot better CC than Old Eve. That's one thing. She's got her charm. But she has CC. Old Eve had no CC. She's a slow. This, yeah, so she's a slow. It's this Eve as a charm. Yeah, uh, which is thematic. I think it charms good. Um, old school as well. I think she was meant to be like the ultimate seductress and like yeah. the Black Widow and all that. But, uh, I've heard any of her voice lines. No. They're just like, whoever just did them was just like horny as fuck. They're just like, she buys like voice staff and she's like, hmm, I'd like to stick this in me. Where basically, she basically <laughs> says that. Like, just like, like, oh, oh, okay. As you do, you know. Um, yeah, okay. I don't know. I don't know. I thought she talked more about killing people than she would about fucking people. Because does she actually fuck people or does she just. I think that's the point is she does. She pretends she to them. and then kills them. That was Ahri's thing though, wasn't it? Because Ahri like. Ahri does that too, doesn't she? They're uh most coincidence women, most, there's so most many most uh, women in League of Legends coincidentally uh, like to have sex with their victims before their they kill them defining feature is whereas the men the men just kill them you know um, yeah true. so I mean other news you know obviously it's art and censor meta it's very exciting um, emo- um, well not emojis but uh, emotes have been released oh, in yes. League uh, I had one game and experienced them which I played yesterday which was basically the game got restarted because someone didn't connect, but I was mid lane as Lux versus a Valkaz. And every time he used an ability, he'd clearly binded the oh, hotkeys. Nice. So it did Good like man. the thinking face uh, or whatever. <laughs> it was a thinking so face. Funny. I think it might have been the thinking face. It was a face. It might have been a thumbs up face, uh, which was really fun to play against. I'm really glad they've implemented that. Uh, it's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, so every time he, he accidentally like hit me with one of his abilities or something, he'd be like, <laughs> thumbs up um, Owen gave a thumbs up there for the yeah. for anyone who didn't see yeah, it yeah unfortunately I've rebound so it said use T to emote but I've rebound my hotkeys so T is one of my items so I can't oh, I can't emote uh, oh, look at everyone Owen rebinds his hotkeys he's yeah. good at League of Legends yeah I feel like I just I don't really know what the thought process because no one wanted emotes I mean it's, yeah, it, it's it a real hearthstone it it's like it's like and the whole thing is like the whole marketing thing was like uh, dying while you're typing, display your emotions with an emote. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it's always going to be like BM. Yeah. Like, they don't understand that, like, the more limited a form of communication is, the more it's going to be abused. <laughs> like, it's just, It's kind of funny because, like, I don't really clearly mind they it. just don't give a shit. They know it'll be BM and they just think it's funny yeah. and so they're adding it in. Cause it's yeah, fun. like, the top post was like, you can't use this while you're dead. This is like unplayable. I like to be able to use my emotes all dead. Yeah, it's kind of cool when they add shit into League that just yeah. shows you're I mean, not I think it's supposed fun. to take this shit seriously. Yeah, they're trying to make it more like just like funny, and that's cool. Uh, I respect that. It is weird. Uh, it's kind of like it's kind of it reminds me a little bit of sprays in like Team Fortress or in yeah. Overwatch, where you're just running around spraying things on walls. I think in Overwatch, you can only do the sprays they let you have. In Team Fortress 2, you could just use your own images on your computer. Like, really? Yeah, so there's just like people just like post porn on the wall, and then someone go over and look at it, and the spy would stab you in the back. <laughs> be like, haha, that's my strategy. That's funny. There's like a YouTube video of a guy doing that loads. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's fun. I think it's a fun idea. Unfortunately, yeah. um, it's going to be kind of. Sorry, what? Yeah, I was just saying, yeah, it's the sound of us exhausting everything we have for pre show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is how much going. We haven't been playing too much League, so. Yeah. 
Will we, will we just move on to the main show? Yeah, might as well. Let's just talk. Yeah. So again, it's the end of the season. Talk Work hard, folks. Uh, <laughs> you should be listening to your extra powder, taking three extra powder cake podcasts with each meal. So just like you should take vitamin D when the sun stops coming out in Ireland in winter. Uh, when you're approaching the end of the season, you need to get your rank of me to increase your intake of powder keg podcast <laughs> listens. Um, just boost up your immunity to tilt. Yeah. Because your immune system is, oh, it's so battered. Oh, my immune system, oh, I'm going to get tilted because I'm going to think. It's that time of the year. And then, no, you've got to wear your little tablet. Yeah, beekeeper singed bumbled on the roof. Oh, yeah. We have more things to exhaust. Yeah, beekeeper singed <coughs> I just like they said bumbles onto the rift. Yeah. Bumbles is an adorable bumbly, bumbly adorable God. verb to bumble. Oh, yeah. Actually, one thing about Worlds. I had fucking decided that Immortals were my team. And I sent out a little chant. And it went something like, what was it? It was like, um, there's like two members are XZLG. That's good enough oh, for yeah. me. Let's go, IMT. <laughs> that was my little chant for Immortals. And then the fucking guns just like went and yeah, like just guys, they, just, they just absolutely threw the fucking yeah. shit the bed today. I'm swearing a lot this episode. Yeah. They uh, fell apart yesterday. So that's, porn that was the team. This, I was this is our for. R-rated. This is our R-rated podcast. Yeah, yeah, this episode is very much an explicit one already. Yeah, and we talked about sex. We talked about field. Uh, yeah. Okay, so anyway, yeah. uh, now that we have that extremely very fun important uh, and uh, interesting, <laughs> I'm really glad we did that. <laughs> that just to completely dilute the level of our. I'm so glad you podcast. guys just spent twelve. minutes Yeah, we were saying that, that as well. Like we were, we were trying to debate whether or not we want to just like, get rid of the intro because you know people always seem to talk about the main show and never mention our intro. So I feel like partly people just kind of. I think the hardcore listeners like don't it. Listen are, the hardcore the listeners. Hardcore, uh, what do we call them last week? Pirates. Hardcore Pirates. The hardcore Powder Cake Pirates. Strongest Family. Oh, yeah. Our, I mean, favorite, yeah. our favorite Powder Cake Pirates. Uh, you guys love Appreciate. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're going to do our next fan meet soon. And okay. Yeah. We'll do a live pre-show. We need, to, we need to bring some armed guards this time because last time there's too many Powder Cake women were just leaving on top of us. It was just, it was just dangerous, you know? Just dangerous. Um, anyway, on to the main topic. Yeah, <laughs> now that we've good. gotten that completely necessary and useful, maybe we'll just get Robin to cut it out. Um, so today's podcast is going to be discussing the topic of split pushing, which is something we've gone into kind of before in in a couple of episodes. Um, I think one episode we went to it in relative detail, but it was to do with like the opportunity cost of split pushing. Um, so this episode we're going to kind of go into it a bit more detail. We're going to give you our top eight things to think about when split pushing. I mean, do you want to give that a better title? Top eight. The explosive <laughs> I talk about mind-bending facts to transform your split-pushing experience there we go <laughs> experience yeah that's good okay so yeah so we have, we have basically eight topics we're going to basically go through it in kind of eight different topics so the first one um, I think it's really important to do is when you're split-pushing is know what you want to accomplish and this is kind of something you might be like obviously I want to split-push you know you want to accomplish some split-pushing split huh? yeah I want to accomplish some split-pushing uh, and often people don't really um, have a goal in mind when they're split pushing. Split pushing can accomplish so many different things. You know, split pushing is basically just you're 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 in a lane uh, that's separate to your team and you're pushing. You're trying to get stuff. Um, or you can just be splitting. Actually, we'll go into that later on in the, in the episode. Um, but so knowing what you want to accomplish with this split push is really important. You know, people will split push to uh, relieve pressure from their team. They'll split push to try to try to draw members of the opposing team into their side lane. They'll split push to try to take towers because they know they're stronger in that 1v1 scenario with this at the enemy top laner. And so they'll try to take towers and get kills and, you know, enable their team to take things when the opposing lane tries to, to the opposing team tries to come get them. They'll split push because they need an item. Maybe they need that solo golden XP because they're behind and they need to get, let's say, as a rally, they need to get Triforce because they're, they're weak after laning phase. So these are all things you need, to, you need to decide that you need to accomplish because, you know, if you're split pushing with no real goal in mind, we've talked about goals and game plans before uh, an awful lot in the last episode even, going into lane um it's really important to know what your goal is in order to accomplish it yeah and so the classic idea when people think of well what do i want to accomplish when someone when you think of split push the idea that comes into your head is well i've locked in a split pushing champion a champion select i've picked jax or i've picked trindamir or fiora or whatever yeah so i've picked a split pushing champion the game is going on i'm doing pretty well my team is doing okay maybe a little bit worse so i'm our strongest member mm. when i'm going to split push because i'm the strongest member, i'm good at split pushing i'm going to push down towers i'm going to draw people i'm using the advantage i have in a way which doesn't include team fighting, which includes being separate from my team and pushing that towers. That's a classic example. Yeah. Team time is good at split pushing, and that's pretty strong, and you're using the strength to pull apart their team and to make them confused and disorientated and to pull them around the map. I think another one that um, 
isn't talked about much and people don't probably do it enough is when you're very, very weak. Um, I think a good example is almost sometimes when you've got an AD carry who's just been absolutely abused all game and like feeding their ass off. Imagine they're so, so weak that they do essentially nothing with your team um, and nothing's happening. If they go into a side lane, <coughs> what they're going to get by themselves, they're going to get solo EXP, they're going to get the goal they haven't been getting because they just keep dying. And if they get far enough, they're going to start hitting towers, they're going to start bringing towers down. <laughs> okay, let's, let's switch to main character. Let's switch main Let's make top laner. Okay, yeah. so again, here's too much. Um, it's top laner has been very weak. They're not doing very well. You're, you're playing top laner. You're, you're behind. You're way further behind than their top laner. So you go into the side lane and you can get your solo XP, you can get your solo gold, which you haven't been getting with your team. You can't blast with the minions while they're there and you, can't, you haven't been getting sister kills because you're so weak. So you're going to stand by yourself. You're going to get all the value you want to XP. And also, what's going to happen is one of two things. Either no one's going to go to you, in which case you're going to pressure down towers because it doesn't matter how weak you are, you're going to kill towers, you're going to kill minions and you're going to push up that you're going to pressure that lane. If someone, they do send someone to you, if you're so weak, the person they send to you will be stronger than you. And therefore, the 4v4, your team against their team, will be better for your team now. Because you, the, your team has lost their weakest member, and their team has lost a member that's stronger than you. So that's equalized it a little bit for your team then. You've pulled someone away stronger. So split pushing isn't just an option for when you're ahead and when you want to just beat up their team. When you want to take towers, yeah. Because again, uh, you know, there are more, obviously there, there are a lot of different reasons you want to split push. Obviously, yeah, as I just said, like you, can, you want to you, you be the split pusher. Often split pushers are defined by their good 1v1s and their ability to take towers quickly. So um, often, yes, you want to push down towers. Like often you'll have Baron buff and it'll be good to, to, to say pressure, giving Baron buff to, to minions in two different lanes and to push down. But of course, yeah, it's also important when you want to get an item spike, when you want to get XP, you want to get solo XP, solo gold. Um, you want to take away pressure. These are all important things. So understanding, obviously, number one, what you want to accomplish with split pushing is, is I think, one of the most important things in relation to, to split pushing. So number two, the tip we're going to move on to, it's kind of very related, is going to be when is it the right call to split push? Because, you know, maybe you need that Triforce. Maybe you need uh, that solo gold. Maybe you want to pressure down these towers. Um, maybe you're strong. Maybe you win that 1v1. Uh, and, and so you want to pressure down these towers. But often it's not the right call. Often it is the right call. So what, what factors... Uh, define and are going to contribute towards it being the right call. So obviously, number one, with all these classical split pushers, these classical split pushers, um, <laughs> as opposed to the Gin. you know the dark age split pushers. Um, yeah, the the classic split pushers often have good one v ones. That's that's always a, a, a green light. If we're talking about green lights versus red lights, uh, green lights are good one v ones, right? You 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 win the one v one versus their top laner. That's always going to be a thumbs up for split pushing. Um, another thumbs up for split pushing is you push towers well. So champions like Jax, champions like Fiora, champions like not even like Master AD champions See, in general. AD champions, yeah, AD champions who who yeah who Yasuo Zed, great in in, in, in the split push because they burn both one v one well. They they burn the tower well. Um, other positives towards split pushing uh, are: does your team uh, do they getting? Let's say do do they do they do well in in, in the four v four? Do they have wave clear? Is a big one. Um, for instance. Uh, you know, let's say you, they, have, they have five members, you have four members, and you have no wave clear whatsoever. They're going to be able to pressure your team under the tower. They're going to, be able to take the tower, take your inhib, do whatever, because you, your team can't wave clear. Let's say you're gangplank um, and you're strong, but your team has no wave clear. You don't want to be in a split push scenario in that case because your team can't wave clear. Um, you're the only wave clear on the team. Yeah, and not only that, but you're also probably the best team fighter on your team as gangplank. Mm. And you're Gangplank can split push well. He does things like uh, takes down towers quickly and he also pushes waves well. But Gangplank is really, really good in team fights. If you're your strongest member of your Gangplank, you're not only your team's best wave clear, you're also your team's best team fighter. So at that point, you're thinking, mm, is it really best to split push here? Because I think I could be much more effective with my team. Especially if your team doesn't have much wave clear, if there's a bunch of champions that just don't have that, or if they're also not good at disengaging, if they don't have a champ, if you don't have a support like a Janna or something who can disengage and run away then you can't really give out to your team if you're off by yourself and they just get jumped on and killed because they didn't because the other team had built a big wave, they try to clear it and they just get dove and killed. Like that can happen and that's purely a compositional thing. So we have as we had a number three when is not the right call. We're kind of going to that here as well. Yeah. So just think of this this is two number number three is when is it not the right call. So that's one thing. When your team when it's the right call is when your team has good wave clear and good way to defend themselves and when they um it's not the right call when they don't have that then. Yeah. Um and again like TP is a classic other example of when, when you know, 
it, it is easier to split push with T obviously, TP, obviously. The reason for this is because if a fight uh, happens, you know, you're going to be able to TP in on, you'll be late to the fight, but you'll still be able to, to fight. Alternatively, if they send members for you, often you can TP on top of them. Maybe their top laner doesn't have TP. That's another uh, green light for you to split push because it literally means even if you don't win the 1v1, you can TP into a fight and force a 5v4. Uh, you know, alternatively, if you don't have TP, it's not necessarily going to be a good call because they can force a 5v4 and you won't be able to react to it. You'll have to be stuck in that spot, but you won't be able to, to get Or, TP. let's say, in that situation, if you're... So that's a TP advantage versus disadvantage. Mm. If you're in a TP disadvantage, it could be worth it, but you need to be a champion with hard CC and you need to not let them out of your sight. Yeah. So if they, you need to be aware they're going to try and do <coughs> this TP to this fight when it happens um, and just keep just stick on them and you see them when they try to go for it because people don't really think about that that much they don't they're not like oh i'll just be able to tp when a fight starts but if you're there you'll be able to stop them hopefully um if you're if you're or something then unfortunately that isn't going to work because you don't have hard cc and um, yeah so that's actually a good point we hadn't even thought of that is tp advantage or disadvantage you just force that 5v4 that's a really big point yeah um, um so so other things are like frontline for instance, like, are you the only frontline in your team? Um, this is kind of related, obviously, to engage. Like, let's say they have a malfight or something. Uh, do they have engage on your team? Did we even mention that? I don't think we've mentioned that yet. Um, so obviously, engage is really important. So they have a Zach, they have a malfight. Do they have ways to get onto your team and force a fight? Whereas alternatively, do your team have Peel? Do you have a Janna? Do you have a Lulu? Do you have, obviously, it's kind of related, like, do they have wave clear? But, uh, but even engage is separate as well because they can force a fight. Um, they can force a dive if they have ways to jump your team. Whereas if they have just like Peely champions where they can't really force a fight, um, your, your team are, are much safer in that 4v4, that 4v5. Um, whereas obviously, yeah, alternatively, they aren't. Um, so, so if you're the only front line or the only way to disengage from their team, if you're the Janna, you don't want to be still pushing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but like, it's pretty front line. Like, yeah. like your front line is the most important thing in a team fight. If you're your mm -hmm. main tank, you shouldn't be off on the wave by yourself unless you're a Shen or something. Yeah, uh, and um, again, like even if you're a main tank, you mightn't be able to push as well. Like, if you're a Maokai, you're not going to be able to take, take towers yeah. very well. If you're a uh, whatever a Cho'Gath, you're not going to be split putting very well. You're going to be wanted to group with the team because uh, you do much more in a team fight in a five v five scenario than you do in that one. In like Maokai is useless in his split push, not not just because he you know he doesn't one v one particularly well, but also because he just doesn't take towers fast. He doesn't wave clear that fast. So he's just not going to be doing right. And obviously there are times when Mike could split pushes, but usually yeah. it'll be to match another tank. Yeah. Or to match another person because he just has to go because he has the TP and that therefore he just kinda has to do it. But he's not he's by he's just far from an optimal split pusher. That's not the kind of champion he is. Another yeah. big one is escapes. This is why a champion like Trindamir is partly why he's such a good split pusher, is that he's really squishy. Sorry, not squishy. He's very um slippy. <laughs> Slippery. Um so just the Trindamir is really hard to like really to get at and to like break down into geez I'm not sure what I'm saying Udyr when Trick2G used to play Udyr split pushing yeah. he was just like super hard to catch you just like fly away from people and just like yeah. run away and that's just a big that's just a big one because when they do send people for you if you can then escape while your team is getting those objectives then that's a big deal yeah and that's why champions like Jinx and stuff or AD carries are not generally uh, champions you want to be putting in a split push because they're going to be collapsed on very easily they're going to be killed very easily they don't have the escapes um, but yeah so, so basically we put, we put these different points because obviously number one as we've said is what you want to accomplish with split push is very important so let's say you want to accomplish you want to push down towers because you're strong um, so, but number two obviously deciding whether it's a good split push or not number three deciding whether it's a good split push or not um, or when you're going to be going but wait I am an Aurelia I'm very far behind uh, or sorry sorry so I, I'm very far behind, it's not a good idea or whatever. So let's say I want to, I want to get an item as Aurelia, as we've said before. I want to get Triforce as Aurelia. Might be what you want to accomplish, but it might not be viable because they're fewer top laner, might be very strong when you go into point number two, point number three. Um, and so these are, these are kind of things you need to think about. These are kind of steps that's important to go through before you go into a split push. Obviously, they'll become more, um, more natural. They'll become more uh, instinctive as you, as you do it more and more. As um, a random other thing, if your team is like, we talk about their team has good engage. If your four players are like a Zach one trick and like another like big engaged champion, yeah. like I've never played a Zach one trick that doesn't just E onto them <coughs> no matter what the fuck happens. They will just want to jump on them at any opportunity. Yeah. Gotta be a bit careful. If your team's a little trigger happy and they just want to fight, then uh, you gotta watch out for that. Yeah. No, and again, there are many scenarios where. Uh, you know, there might be good things you could accomplish in a split push, but it also might just be 100% better to 5v5 fight. Obviously, if you're like Maokai, if you're Cho'Gath, you're better in the scenario, but it also might be a, a situation where you're a champion who might be better in the split push, but your team is still positioned to be better in a 5v5 fight. Sure, so yeah. you just might be stronger as a five-man team and 
the best the best situation for you is just to be straight up bullying down towers, diving them under towers. And if you, if you go into 4v5, your team might do okay in that 4v4 scenario, that 4v5 scenario, they might be able to wave clear, but you might just get more by forcing those towers. Um, so yeah, obviously there are also scenarios where it's just straight up better for you to be in a five-man as opposed to just be slightly weaker in a five-man sort of a thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, of course, yeah. that's really important. And obviously we mentioned wave clear as well uh, as, as a thing where if your team just doesn't have wave clear, they just can't do anything about the team pushing down towers as a five-man team because they can't engage on them because obviously it's 4v5 and they can't wave clear and, and stop them from taking the team. So that's, that's point four anyway. I um, think, oh, that's point three. So point three, sorry. I think point four is about the pressure your team is putting on and can put on. I think this is the, probably the biggest mistake that I see split pushers play, make in my game. So what will often happen is that our top laner will get quite far ahead, while the rest of the team gets quite far behind. So the rest of the team we're here is four defending, while our, our other person is pushing up and split pushing. What will happen is they will split push, while our team is either split up, going toward, or we don't have much vision on the map, and we can't see the other team. And we're not pushing down towers. We're not pressuring anywhere. We're not push, We're not looking at Baron. We're not in a position to apply pressure. So when our split, our strong split pusher with all these kills is pushing up this lane by themselves. They'll, the other team will send three people to them and kill them. Well, what's the dead split pusher going to do? They're going to start pinging towers. Like, ping, 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 ping. Why aren't you taking this tower? Why aren't you pushing down Baron? Why aren't you pressuring this? It's like, well, you knew we weren't. Mm. You could see what our team was doing. You could see what the four men were doing. We were split up for whatever reason, whether it was justified or not justified. We were split up. We weren't in a position to pressure towers. So the other team could afford to send three people down. That wasn't a mistake by the other team. They weren't leaving themselves exposed. It was a free kill against our strongest member. They got a shutdown, kills our best member, Sets us back all this momentum, sets us back all this tempo and all this gold for getting that free kill. So like, it's all about, you, you. basically you don't want to split push unless you can get something out of it. Drawing people is not an objective. You, you, don't, you don't get a moral victory because they send three people to you. Mm. It has to accomplish something. Your, your four-man team has to be the ones taking things and if they do send all those people to you. Or if all the people go to the four-man team, then it's up to you to take the objective. It's about seeing which team is kind of isolated, how you're pulling apart their team then. Yeah, and this is kind of related, obviously, to number one, knowing what you want to accomplish with the split push. But but it, it's kind of separate in that often people will just say, uh, I want to accomplish whatever the split push, and then, you know, it's my team's job to provide pressure. Pressure is very intrinsical to the split push. You know, what are you going to get if they send people? What are you going to get if they 4v4? What are you going to accomplish in any scenario? So, um, obviously, people understand often that, you know, pressuring towers is something that they can do. So, if they send three men for you, if they send two men for you and it turns into a 4v3, a 4v2, your team can get carried. So often that is related to how far up are the waves pushed? Is your team in a scenario? Are they grouped as four? Can they take that tower? But similarly, if your team is weaker than them and they don't want to be in a position where they have a pushed wave where they're out, um, there can still be scenarios where you know they're able to take Baron, they're able to take Dragon. And often split pushing and having pressure is very related to what position are your team in the map, uh, are they grouped is, is a very important one. Because often people will split push. You see it all the time in, in, in Lower Elo or even, you know, whatever fucking Diamond 5, where people will just won't be grouped. They'll have different back timings. They'll be, you know, they'll be doing buffs. They'll, they'll, they, won't be, they won't be in a position to take advantage of an opportunity should it come their way. And so providing pressure is something that just, like, so often people will just split when there is no... And, and pressure is, like, it, it's kind of confusing because... You know, you can split where there is no pressure, but you need to be very aware of what you're trying to accomplish with that. Um, and so, yeah, again, so often it's the biggest mistake people make. Well, they die when there is no, nothing their team can take. And then they're like, why aren't you taking something? And so you shouldn't be split pushing in a scenario where there is no pressure on the alternative side of the map. Yeah, and, I, and like you almost, you can be in that lane, but you just need to be so careful. You need to be, when you see them, when you yeah. notice the rest of you just come back and you back. You kind of be separate from your team still, but if they're not in a position to do things, if and you're the one pushing up aggressively, you know what's going to happen to you, and there's no excuse for when you get fucked. Yeah, and obviously it it is related to to whatever your initial goal was. So obviously, if your goal is just to passively sit in the side lane and absorb XP and experience, it's not so much about pressure because you're not applying pressure yourself, so you're not forcing them to send members for you. Um, but certainly, if your goal is to be a strong split pusher, be a Fiora, be a, be a champion who's going to be applying pressure in the sideline, your team needs to be able to, uh, you know, 
conversely uh, apply pressure in another lane when they come for you. They need to be able to take a, and it is more about you applying pressure and your team taking advantage yes. of, of an opportunity. Taking an objective rather than, pressure. yeah, taking an objective rather than them applying pressure and you taking an objectives with the pressure they're applying because that's a very risky scenario where they're applying pressure and then you're going to take an objective when they five-man kill your four-man team. So, uh, no, but certainly in pressure is a, a really important part of um, pushing. So, Move on to the next one, uh, which is kind of related again. They're all very related, uh, which is communication uh, with your team. And this is obviously super important. Uh, your team can't be in a position to take advantage of an opportunity if you don't communicate with them the, the scenario you're giving them. Uh, you don't communicate that you're going to split push. Um, this is something that I think is, again, very important, especially at kind of lower ELOs, when people aren't aware, as, as instinctively aware of opportunities that come their way. Um, I think split, split push is something that is not like a, it's not like a, a, a simple thing. It, it's a little bit more complicated. So it's not just grouping as five and, you know, slapping the enemy team, engaging on the enemy team whenever you see them. It's not quite as simple as that, especially if you have advantages that aren't as apparent as being we are stronger as five. Um, and often people in lower elos will either split push badly because they don't understand uh, where the strengths lie, how to do it. Um, and so it won't it won't result very well, or they will just group as five, and then they'll just kind of attack the team because it's very easy. And so communication is one of the things that really is really important if you want to try to split push, especially in like lower elos where people don't immediately understand what you're doing and understand how to take advantage. So you need to communicate. I am going to split push Bob. If they come for me, take Baron. Uh, I am going to do this. If they do this, maybe take something. I am going to do this. Even just communicating what you're trying to do. I'm going to pressure this tower. Try to take something. Um, obviously, communication is really important in League. But I think with split pushing, it's extra so. Yeah. Like, it's all about, like, we don't want you to lay out your five-point plan and for, well, if they do this... I have listened to the Battergate <laughs> podcast. This is my number one. This is the goal I wish to accomplish. This yeah. is what you're going to do if I... Like, what's important, what's most important when you're a communicator is kind of, like, clarity. So how obvious what, you, what you're trying to say is. And just kind of, like, being consistent about what you want. You don't have to be polite. Um... Pinging. You can be gruff. You can be the gruff <laughs> captain who yeah, says, "Ants exactly. for pushing." Yeah, so you see, pinging is a very easy way to do it. So, hey, buddy, literally, you just like ping. You, can, you don't have to say anything. Literally, let's say you want to go bot, you ping Baron timer, ping Baron, and just like ping where you're going. You don't have to say anything. You can say something if you want, but just be clear about what you want and just be obvious. Ping as many times as you need to. Just get the point across. This is what's happening. This is what I'm doing. Um, you don't need to kind of describe it in eloquent detail. Like. Yeah, I, th I think it's just kind of saying, like, obviously communication is important with anything we talk about in League, but I think it's just especially important to mention as one of our points in relation to split pushing because split pushing is something where it is very much a team effort and you can't really accomplish it all and you can't blame your team when it goes wrong if you aren't, you know, reaching out and going, I'm going to ping whatever this, I'm going to ping what I'm trying to accomplish, or I'm going to say what I'm trying to accomplish, and what you can go for if it goes, you know, if it goes topsy-turvy for me, if they all come for me, sort of a thing. Yeah, you can't uh, blame your team for kind of making a mistake and not doing the right thing if they didn't know what you wanted them to do. Exactly. Um, and how, you want, just make it clear. Same that, with the gank. So that's why communication is also important with the gank, as we, as we talked about in the last episode, um, or we talked about in our jungling episodes. It's important to communicate, and you can't blame your laner for not knowing you're coming to gank them if you don't say you're going to come gank them. You can't blame your laner for not freezing the wave in a good way for you if you don't communicate with them but exactly. just the same as pushing. so that's communication with the team uh, again very related again is, is our next point which is point six uh, which is setting up for a split push and this is very much related to uh, vision and map positioning and these are things that are you know vision obviously is super important for split push it's something that people almost never do um, correctly uh, at least at any games that I play people I don't do it either where I'll just kind of push and I'll just assume, I'll make a lot of assumptions in relation to where they are, where we are. Um, obviously, you can see if their five members are in a lane, but when you can't see their five members, pushing up is a bad thing. And so ways to enable you to see them is basically to, to have wards. Have wards in their side of the map. Have wards on your side of the map towards where you're pushing so you can see if they're going to come for you. Um, this is very related to just like setting up for the split push, um, warding. Is obviously super important, and, and again, the next one, which is uh, position and map, is. Well, kind I of... want to talk a bit more. Of it. Yeah. Um. So I just wanted, like, it's definitely not something that people do anywhere near enough. It's something that pro players understand so well, and that they do all the time, and it's so intrinsic to pro play. 
is turning kind of at making vision an objective. Mm. And it's something you can easily adopt in solo queue, particularly if you're a support player or if you're just someone who has a couple wars in your inventory. So like you imagine like you get two kills bot side. Okay, we've got two kills bot side. We're gonna we're gonna take, take dragon. You take dragon. They're still still death timers. Your team can so easily walk into their jungle and just place down a couple of wards into their bot side jungle. All of a sudden you have deep vision of their bot side jungle. That is now a good space to split push. Because mm. if you're if you're split pushing there, you know where people are coming from, you know which way to go, you know to get away. It opens you up so much, it makes you so much safer splitting there. It just completely opens it up. And all you had to do was say, while you're taking the barons, like, let's go get there's a deep vision after this ping there. Yeah. You all go then, all even together. Just, you can just do it yourself after you've Yeah, you might I'm just saying if you're like if you're a split pushing chapter, you probably don't have all the wars in your inventory. Yeah. So you if you are your whole team you can get much better vision as a team and also you'll be safer if you're all going mm. together. You can get all those wards down. And that that's establishes all of a sudden you've pressure that side of the map, you've vision that side of the map, you own that side of the map. Yeah. And just so that's just that's almost a general thing, like using vision as objective, but that is what enables then your split push. Yeah, and we've talked about vision before. We've talked about, you know, it being an objective in itself and enabling you to get other things. Split pushing is definitely something that it enables you to get. It, it, it's not just like, you don't just get vision and then just continue to play your, your normal game plan of grouping up five and pushing a lane. First vision. you get the vision, then you get the women, then you get the power. Sorry, then you get the, the elo, and then you yeah. get the women, and then you get the power. Oh yeah, sorry. Because, I, got the, know, I missed the, the, I miss the elo part. Um, but yeah, so obviously vision is super important. Map positioning again is is kind of related to you know obviously where you've gotten vision, what you want to do with the vision. Um, but but map positioning is also related, of course, to pressure because <clears throat> you know your team can't pressure Baron if they're not near Baron. You know your team can't take Baron when they come for you if they're not near Baron. If Baron isn't up. Your team can't take a dragon if they're not near Baron and it's not up. So this is related to kind of like don't just run into the nearest lane that is on the opposite side of your team when uh, you want to split push. Um, obviously, it's generally best to run to the opposite side of the map than your team when you want to split push because it makes it harder for their team to rotate to you to kill you. Um, it also makes it you know easier for your team to pressure things when their team comes for you because it means they'll be further away from the team and they won't be as easy able to react. So. Um, determining what side of the map you want to be on is very related to kind of where the waves are pushed where you want to push where uh, there might just be a huge wave in which case often you want to be with that huge wave you want to pressure down um, or you know again baron might be up in which case your team wants to be generally pushing on the team that on this on the lane that is nearest to baron because then they're able to, easiest able to take it uh, or obviously dragon elder dragon uh, objectives it's not that complicated it's more just be aware of that and don't just, you know. Yeah. Like, split pushing often entails dying. And if you die near a big objective, they're going to yeah. be there as the team, having killed you, ready to take that objective. It makes it so easy. So if you're pushing topside while Baron's up, you better bloody hope you don't die. Because you've just given up a huge objective and die for your team. Chances are if you die there. And yeah, that was it. Like, the classic example is you see Baron's up in 40 seconds. And so you go bot lane, you ping the Baron timer, you ping Baron, your team sets up a Baron while you're bot lane. And there's kind of two ways to do this. So there's one way of doing this is that your team sets up a dance around Baron. So hopefully their five members are there, your four members are there, and your team just starts kind of like walking forward, hitting Baron, walking back, forward, forward. And their team's like, dun, 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 trying to poke each other, poking each other around Baron's side. That's the dance. Your team isn't getting engaged on because that would not be a dance, that would be a death. Well, the whole time you're bot side pushing up, pushing up, pushing up. So their team obviously has to make a decision. Do we just go all in for Baron or do we start backing to defend this guy? This works best when you're really strong and when you're like a master, a very fed master year or something, you're split pushing bot, they have to send at least two people to get you, otherwise you'll just kill them. So they send two people back, all of a sudden your team is a 4v3 around Baron. They can engage or they can just take the Baron. And that's what the dance is. And that's what that's the classic split push where you're just putting their team into a bad situation. It'll work against good players. It'll work against the best players. You see it messing up professional teams all the time where in that moment where they have to make that big decision, they freeze and they hesitate and then you can just tear them apart. Yeah. The other situation is the sneakier one where you're just la di da di la I'm bot lane by myself. Look at me, I'm so, I'm ever so, I'm ever so vulnerable. I hope no one comes to kill me. And they send three people, they're like, hey, 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 what are you doing around this neck of the woods, little girl? And then, <laughs> like in Game of Thrones or something. And then uh, you get um, killed. But the whole time, little do they know it was a trap and your team is killing Baron and your team kills Baron. They kill you and you wait a couple seconds, they hear the, it's Baron dying. And then you say worth in ultra. The second example of the sneaky Baron is I think less effective against good players. Um, it will work against good players though. But and I also think it's better if you're weak. So if you're weak, you're more likely just to, like they'll just come down and fuck you up. Mm. Um, 
And very dependent on vision again. Very dependent again, on you yeah. understanding at what point they are far enough away from the Baron that you can start doing it. And obviously um, they can't have vision and of also, Baron. Yeah, obviously <laughs> Big one. that's super important, of course, having vision of Baron. And also just having vision around Baron and understanding uh, you know, how close they are, how you can kind of dance. Because even doing Baron with two, three members around it isn't easy unless you have vision. You have vision denial. Because if they have, you know, if they have, let's say, their jungler there um, and they have vision of Baron, it's still very risky going for it when they rotate to kill you because uh, they can go for steel, they can go for whatever. So having pink wards, having vision is super important. Now, you mentioned that split pushing awful often entails dying. Mm. Uh, and so this kind of transitions on very nicely into the next point we have, which is to do with results-oriented thinking. Uh, thinking that uh, that you split pushed effectively when your team gets objectives, when your team gets towers, Baron, um, when you die, or when you know you you yeah they send members for you, you die, and then it works out. We we'll describe results-oriented thinking first. So yeah. results-oriented thinking is a fallacy where you essentially think something was a good decision because good things happened from it, or you think something was a bad decision because bad things happened for it. When in reality, the result is completely divorced from how good your decision was. Yeah. There's, there's correlation, but they're not the same thing. So you, basically in league or in anything in life, you can do the correct thing and something bad will happen. And you'll be like, oh, I should have done something else. Whereas in reality, you did the correct thing. Or you yeah. can make a bad decision and you get rewarded for it somehow because things went a certain way. And that doesn't mean you should make the bad decision next time because chances are it wouldn't, it won't go for you like that for you next yeah. time. So, so that's so, result so, into thinking. Yeah. So Andrew McMacken. Um, <laughs> no, everyone knows my second name. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> They're after um, me. So Andrew, you know, a bad split pusher um, yep. is split pushing. Andrew, bad split pusher, split pushing. Um, you know, he's doing his thing. He has no vision on this side of the map. Uh, his team aren't particularly close to Baron. He's doing his thing. I don't need As it. he does everything. I don't need game. vision. Doesn't need vision. Doesn't need his team to be there. Hasn't communicated with his team. Doesn't know what he's trying to accomplish in the lane. He hasn't I done any mechanics. Of That's all. Any I need. of the I things he's done has bad mechanics as well. No, no, great, great mechanics. And the Z player. But you know, he's doing his best. He's missing CS. <laughs> he's he's missing XP because he's not close enough to the CS. Um, he's For doing all everything wrong. This is a bad split push. Yeah, he's doing everything wrong. But he's doing what he does, which is everything wrong. So he's in the side lane though. He's on the wrong side lane. He's actually close to Baron as well. Okay. Um, the team comes and they murder him. He goes, he's about to type in chat, he's about to go, what are you doing at other lane? But his team are gods. They rotate beautifully. They, they, they kill all the other members of the opposing team who've rotated badly. They take multiple towers, they win the game. He goes, I played that so well. I enabled it with my split pushing. I put the pressure now, on, they came for this me. This is they what Andrew, for me. bad split pusher thinks. But in reality, he played it badly. And this is results oriented thinking where he thinks because the play worked out, it was a good play. Because I won that fight, I played the fight well. Because we won the game, I played the game well. These are things we've talked about in multiple other episodes. Um, and they're things that really you shouldn't fall into because they'll just, in it, they'll just lead to you not improving as a player. Um, and like, if you might be wondering, it's like, well, if it went well, why, is, why are you beating up on yeah. uh, Imaginary Andrew? Well, it's because he's going to try that in the next game mm. and it won't work. And it'll work the game after that. And then it'll work maybe once every five games because you get lucky that often. But it's just the wrong way to do it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and this is pretty simple, you know. Don't uh, always assume that your split pushing was good. Um, and, you know, I mentioned deaths because often deaths are example are an example of split pushing not being good. Um, and you'll see split pushing at a high, high level and they'll be so careful. They are so careful. They don't split push aggressively without vision. They don't push up aggressively without vision, they die very rarely because deaths are obviously a bigger deal in competitive play than they are in uh, solo queue, so I won't really bring it up. Um, but certainly dying is often an indicator and you should often think, did I need to die? You know, I, um, I, I split push it well. Let's say I did have vision. Let's say I did uh, apply good pressure. Let's say I was playing well in that 1v1 versus their top laner. But then they sent players for me and we got Baron. But did I need to die? when they came for me. Could I have gotten away if I'd moved slightly earlier, if I had slightly better vision, if I communicated slightly better and my team went for that Baron earlier, or if whatever, any another, uh, any number of factors went slightly better if I played that slightly better. So definitely be aware of all the things that you can do in the split push. You know, maybe you were doing all the things right, but you didn't have vision. Maybe you're doing all the things right, but you didn't back away in time. Maybe you're doing all the things right, but you didn't uh, communicate well enough. These are all the things that you should be thinking about when the split push works or doesn't work. Maybe you're split pushing very well, 
but there was really nothing else you could have done because your team played it badly. Maybe you were split pushing well, but your team just lost the fight 2v4 because they just god-moded it and there's nothing you could do there. So it's always about being aware of the things you're doing well and not doing well and don't determine the split push worked or didn't work because of whatever. And, and, and you know, this is kind of, I say, backing away in time. And this is very much our last point. Number eight. Um, number eight, which number is eight, recalling. Um, and this is kind of an interesting one because recalling and knowing when to recall, knowing when to stop split pushing is something that's kind of, there's a lot of cornerstone cases in relation to it. And a lot of people, you know, this is the classic examples of you pushing for the inhib when they've killed your whole team and they're pushing for an inhib. This is you uh, backing away, joining your team when you're just not getting anything in the 1v1. This is uh, you just, you know, backing away, as I've said, when you know they're coming for you and you're going to get a Baron anyway. And there's no reason to you stay because they've moved close enough to you that you don't have to be here anymore. It's you walking all the way down into a lane, pushing a wave up, noticing that their team's missing and being like, well, they're probably coming for me. And so yeah. you have to go and recall and be disciplined. Even though you spent all that time going to the lane, you want to get those minions, you want to push up, you're disciplined because you're like, well, yeah. chances are we have no pressure and I can't see their team. They are probably coming for me. And yeah. so you have to be disciplined. You can't just say, oh, I just want this wave, I want this wave. So pushing is about decision-making. So pushing is about being disciplined, it's about being smart. And a huge part of that is being smart about your recalls and being disciplined and making sure you do it at the times even when you're tempted to keep pushing because you know in the back of your head there's a good chance people are going to come kill me i mean recalling i think is like one of the most disciplined things in league of legends it's always to do with when do you decide you have to make it like it's a real decision to make and we've talked about recalling before but like you know recalling when you could greed for another wave recalling when you could greed for another tower recalling when you have to push for another tower or not recalling you know, recalling is also, of course, divided into when you recall, when you don't recall, when you recall, and when you decide, no, I need to get this tower because there's no point in me, in me recalling for this inhib because I can't defend it anyway. There's no point in me recalling for, uh, you know, this tier two tower because my, they're going to get it anyway because they killed my team and there's absolutely zero point in me recalling and not getting this tower. And you know what? Maybe I made the best of the bad situation in this case. But, you know, recalling is such a disciplined thing. You know, people always don't recall when they're going to get dived. They always don't recall because they're like, maybe I can still get the, the waves. Maybe I can still get this big wave. But, you know, I shouldn't. I should still back because it's the best decision. Um, and, yeah, of course, there are lots of different little examples of split pushing and recalling badly and not recalling badly. Generally, as we've said, it's cases of you getting something when your team's died. In a split push or you backing when your team has already taken advantage of the opportunity you've given them um there aren't too many examples of it but certainly it's something to be aware of uh when you're split pushing as all the other points we've said um yeah i think a big one is when you're kind of just kind of when you are at that point where your team is like 4v5 defending like heroically yeah and you're the one pushing that wave and your team kind of the, the you know the dam the levees break yeah and their team just like starts diving them or starts killing them and you're like you're wondering do I back or do I kind of just push and get this yeah, inhib because like because the big thing there is like chance are you'll get the inhib in time but will the other team be able to end the game without you being there that's obviously a big one and a lot of the time this is a tough decision to make you're going to make it incorrect a lot of the time because you're making a split second you can't hesitate you yeah. do one or you do the other a lot of the time I end up I probably commit to the inhib more than other people and a lot of the time that results in just losing the game hmm. and but like that's it sucks. that's fine because <laughs> you will lose the game but chances are if you had backed you wouldn't have lost the game at that point, but you didn't get any air split push. They've just dove you. They're just going to win the game in a few minutes. Anyway. It won't feel as bad because it won't feel like it was your decision that lost that game. But those times where they can't finish and you've got an extra inhib out of it, that's an out. That's a way for your team to win that game. Yeah. The conservative play is to back and try to defend the thing. But a lot of time, that won't result in you winning as many games as you just kind of taking that risk, going for the extra damage and going for the objective, even though you know there's a higher chance of them just like finishing. Yeah, and of course we say like, number two, know when it's the right call know when it's not the right call. And these are all things that, you know, you can't always know when you win the 1v1. You can't always know when your team won't get dove. You can't always know, uh, you know, maybe their team don't have a good engage comp, but they still manage to engage well. Um, these are all things where it's always, it's always subjective, it's always a judgment call, and it's always difficult to make, no matter what the scenario is. So maybe you made the right call and you went for the split push, but they managed to pull off a good play because, you know, obviously variance is always a thing. And so you have to know when to make the right call, when variance comes, or when variance doesn't come. When, you know, 
it just happened you know you know uh, maybe maybe it was kind of a difficult decision maybe they have one or two good engaged champions but you have one or two good uh you know banished champions and you just decided that i you thought you could go for the split push but in reality maybe you shouldn't have decided that maybe you made the wrong decision um, and you always have to make the decisions as it goes um so maybe they went for the engage and it went badly and so you had to back um or you didn't have to back and that's where you need to make the call and so it's always to do with how, how, how the play progresses. And you're always making decisions as you're split pushing. It's always, you're always making decisions that you're split pushing. You're always saying, can I push for more? Can I push for one more tower? Or do I have to back now? Can I take this tower? Or do I have to back now? It's always tempting to take that tower and then back, even when they're coming for you. Maybe the tower is only three more hits, but maybe you have to back. Maybe they've all backed for you. And you're like, I can get this in him. I can get this in him. It feels so bad when you're split pushing, you don't get the in him. But maybe... You continuing to grieve for that and them killing you will lead to you losing an awful lot more. And so this is all to do with making the decision when you're split pushing, making that decision to back. Um, and yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's basically one, one podcast isn't going to teach you how to split push. <laughs> but yeah. hopefully you have some tools to kind of understand when to make, the, when to make decisions, yeah. what As to make them based on. As we said with all our other podcasts, second. we're giving you different you know, little tools, little tips. Uh, here we've given you eight different tips that you can think about when you split push. Um, Obviously, you're not going to be thinking about these in detail every time you split push. Uh, you obviously have to go out there and split push yourself. You have yeah. to go out there, See, stretch your wings wide. We can't just give you fire, you know? But we can give you two rocks to bind together. Well, we, uh, or we to give make, you a lighter. Or, oh, you know, no, no, two any rocks. No, we're them. giving them fire. This is the cavemen <clears throat> of our listeners. Yeah. Or the other classic fishing example, but I prefer the rock fire one. Um, we can't fix all your problems. We, we can, can only be amazing at what we do and hope that you'll fix your problems yourself. And become like us. Anyway, so yeah. thank you for listening. If you want to catch us... Um, oh, you're going to very... Uh, those were our eight points. Yeah. I, just, I literally just concluded. It's true, we just concluded. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to catch us on SoundCloud... Um, yeah. Sorry, you want to catch us, look at our SoundCloud. We've got our email there and our Twitter there. Um, catch us all there. You can message. We'll be putting us on Reddit, of course, and you can get us there. Um, two best ways you can help us get the show out. One is by leaving a positive review on iTunes. Um, a five star review there uh, would be extremely 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 grateful for and we will shout you out on the next episode if you do so and the other brilliant thing you could do for us would be to tell your friends and get some maybe boost up your duo partner help them get a little bit better and get onto your level too and then we'd appreciate it hugely too because then we'd get a new listener and we love new listeners so thank you for listening and we will hopefully see you next week yeah thanks very much yeah.